Hey listeners, I recently launched an ad-free Serial Napper feed so that you can enjoy the podcast without interruptions. Elevate your Serial Napper listening experience by joining my Patreon community and get yourself an ad-free feed on Spotify. For just $2 a month, you can become a member today and unlock ad-free episodes while still supporting the podcast. It's super easy. Just visit Serial Napper on your Spotify app and click the button at the top that says exclusive episodes for subscribers. Don't use Spotify for your listening? No problem. Just visit patreon.com slash Serial Napper to get your episodes ad-free and enjoy uninterrupted storytelling while you get your naps in. Hey everyone, my name is Nikki Young and this is Serial Napper, an international true crime podcast. I'm back with another true crime story to lull you to sleep or perhaps to give you nightmares. 20 years ago, I could have never imagined getting into a car with a complete stranger who just so happened to own a vehicle and wanted to make a little cash on the side but wasn't regulated or licensed or anything like that. And yes, I'm talking about Uber because tonight... We're discussing the brutal murder of 21-year-old Samantha Josephson, who made the mistake of getting into the wrong car after she had called an Uber. And she paid dearly for this mistake with her life. The really horrifying part of this story is that there doesn't really appear to be any motive behind her murder. Out of pure bad luck, Samantha unfortunately just got into the vehicle of an absolute psychopath. You'll never believe what he did to this young woman and what he says now about her killing. So let's jump in. Samantha Josephson was a 21-year-old young woman who was born in Princeton, New Jersey. She grew up in Robbinsville, New Jersey as a child. However, in recent years, she attended the University of South Carolina, where she was studying political science. This young woman was an absolute powerhouse and would have had the most incredible career if her life was not taken from her. She had dreams of attending Drexel University of Law, where she wanted to study to become a lawyer specialized in international law. And in fact, she had earned a full scholarship because of her incredible grades and her hard work. She was set to graduate from USC in 2019, the same year that she was killed, and then she was going to be moving forward with her law degree at Drexel. She was literally just weeks away from graduating. Her desire to practice international law came from her passion for traveling. During her time at USC, she had the opportunity to study abroad in Barcelona, and while there, she also had the chance to visit Madrid and Paris. She was the kind of young woman who was really going to make a positive impact in this world, and I swear most of the cases that I cover involve victims like Samantha, who would have made waves if given the chance, and who deserved so much more than what this world gave them. Samantha was also incredibly beautiful. She had these big brown eyes and long brown hair and an incredible smile. 
She had a boyfriend named Greg, and the couple was really close. They kept in touch with each other all day, every day, constantly texting and calling each other whenever they had the chance. They had plans to start a future together. Even when Samantha was going to be attending law school, Greg had plans to move with her and support her the entire way. On the evening of March 28, 2019, Samantha had plans to go out with her roommates and some other friends in Columbia, South Carolina. Her boyfriend Greg was supposed to be joining the group as well, but he was back in his hometown at the time. Still, he told her to go out and have fun without him. She had been feeling really down after hearing about a family member whose health was failing. The group met up and went to a few different bars before finally settling at a bar called the Bird Dog Bar, which was located in an area known as Five Points. This is a hot spot for students to hang out at various bars in the area. Even though Samantha was having a fun time out with her friends, she continued to text her boyfriend, Greg. She begged him to make the two-hour drive to visit her in Columbia that night because she just really needed the emotional support. But this wasn't really anything new. For those of you who have been in long-distance relationships, you get it. When we're having a hard time, we just really want our loved ones with us. But sometimes it's just not feasible. And they had made plans to see each other the following weekend, so her boyfriend stayed where he was at. Still, he kept in constant communication with her throughout the evening. Just after 2 a.m. that night, Samantha decided to head back to her apartment by herself and she called an Uber to get home. While she waited for the Uber, she had one last chat on the phone with Greg and that was around 2.04 a.m. She told him that she was headed home and had an Uber on the way. This was something that Samantha had done many times before. She had used an Uber to get to and from the bars because it was way too far of a walk to her apartment. When the Uber arrived, Samantha said goodbye to Greg and ran over to the vehicle and got in. There would be surveillance video footage from outside of the bar showing her getting into a black Chevrolet Impala at around 2.09 a.m. She was wearing an orange shirt and black pants. Being the amazing boyfriend that he was, Greg was going to track her via the Find My Friends app on her phone just to make sure that she got home safe that night. For those of you who aren't familiar with Find My Friends, it's an app that will show you the location of another person while they are moving. It pinpoints them on a map so you can see where they are and where they're headed. As he watched Samantha's movement on the map via the app, he noticed that she was actually traveling in the opposite direction of where her apartment was located. He didn't think much of it at first. Maybe she was going to go hang out at a friend's house or something. But he texted her to check to see if she was okay. He received no response. So he called her. And again, no one picked up. He would message her several more times, and it would show up as delivered but not read, meaning Samantha was not reading any of the messages that he was sending her. Then her location stopped sharing altogether, which Greg would later say had never happened before. Like most of us, we don't really automatically assume the worst, so Greg thought that maybe she had left her phone behind in the Uber. Still, he called her friends and her roommate to see if they had heard from her or if she had actually made it home that night, and no one had heard from her or seen her at that point. Greg thought that she would turn up maybe in the morning and tried to get some sleep. 
Samantha Josephson did not make it home that evening. The following morning, when she still wasn't home, her roommates reported her missing. Greg made the two-hour drive down to Columbia to assist in a search for her. Sadly, a search wouldn't last very long before a group of turkey hunters would find Samantha's body in a woodland area about 65 miles away from Five Points where she was seen getting in that car. Her body would be found less than 24 hours after last being seen on that surveillance video. It was very clear that whatever had happened to Samantha was an absolute violent attack. Her body had more than 120 stab wounds with injuries to her face, her head, her neck, upper body, leg, and foot. It appeared that she had been stabbed with a double-bladed knife and looked as if she had been dragged into the woods. Every part of her clothing was absolutely soaked with blood. With her injuries, she would have bled profusely, ultimately dying within 10 to 20 minutes of being attacked. There was so little blood left in her body, 20 milliliters, about 1.3 tablespoons, when a body typically has at least 4 liters or a gallon. Workers at her autopsy struggled to get enough blood for routine testing, according to Dr. Thomas Beaver, who conducted the examination. Samantha had absolutely fought for her life. She had several stab wounds that went all the way through her hands as she tried to shield herself from her attacker. Now, the police knew that Samantha had not just gone off on her own somewhere, she had been brutally murdered. Investigators were very easily and quickly able to pull that surveillance video footage from the bar from the night before, which showed them that she had gotten into that black Chevrolet Impala. What's really creepy is that the surveillance video also showed that same Impala circling the block several times as if whoever was in it was watching and waiting for a potential victim. Investigators determined that Samantha had accidentally gotten into the killer's car thinking that it was her Uber. The Uber that Samantha had actually called was seen arriving a short time later, However, when the driver found that she was not there, they canceled the trip. It would have likely become apparent pretty quickly that the car she was in was not the Uber because she was killed only a short time later. So, investigators believed that the driver probably used the childproof locks to trap her inside. When the childproof lock is on, the doors can only be opened from the outside of the vehicle, so Samantha would not have been able to get out. An alert was put out with a description of the suspect's car so that officers patrolling in the area could watch for it, and it didn't take long for them to find it. The day after Samantha's body was discovered, the black Impala was spotted by officers driving in the very same area that Samantha had been kidnapped in. Officers pulled over the vehicle, being driven by 24-year-old Nathaniel Rowland, and as soon as the car stopped, he took off running. He knew he was caught, and thankfully, the police officers apprehended him quickly. In his vehicle was a treasure trove of evidence. This guy hadn't made any attempt at all to clean up or get rid of things that would connect him directly to Samantha's murder. They discovered bleach and a ton of other cleaning products. But he hadn't done that great of a job because there was still a lot of blood in his car. And guess what? The child locks had been activated, confirming to police that this is exactly how he trapped Samantha in his vehicle. 
The smoking gun was Samantha's cell phone, still left behind in the car. Police would later learn that he had attempted to sell it to a pawn shop just earlier that day, but he didn't like their lowball offer that they gave him. He wouldn't take $125 for the phone, and so he took it back and left it in his car. I love to travel. From the bustling city of Tokyo to the beaches of Thailand, there's nothing I enjoy more than getting the chance to see the world and experience different cultures firsthand. But the language barrier, it can be an issue. Sure, you can use an app on your phone, but things often get lost in translation. I truly believe that learning at least some of the language of the land that you're visiting is the first step to ensuring a smooth and meaningful experience. That's why I'm excited about Rosetta Stone, the most trusted language learning program available on desktop or as an app. It truly immerses you in the language that you want to learn. Rosetta Stone has been the trusted expert for 30 years with millions of users and 25 languages offered, including Japanese, Spanish, German, Korean, Italian, and more. Learning a new language can be tough especially with all of the different nuances. But Rosetta Stone is designed to help you speak like a local, so you'll feel confident in what you're saying. I don't know how many times I've been traveling to a new country and struggled to get my point across just because I wasn't properly pronouncing something that I thought I knew, which is why I love Rosetta Stone's built-in true accent feature, which helps you master your accent. They also have convenient desktop and app options so you can learn on the go. Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership includes all 25 languages. So once you're finished learning one language, you can start on another. Whether you're an avid traveler like me or just want to impress your friends with a new skill, it's a steal of a deal at 50% off. That's right. 50% off. Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, Serial Napper listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com slash today. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com slash today, today. So who is this fake Uber driver, Nathaniel Rowland? Well, he was a resident in the area who actually lived very close to the location that Samantha's body had been dumped at. At one point, he also attended South Carolina State University, but that was in 2017, and he was no longer a student. It's not really clear what he was doing for employment at that time. He had one past felony arrest from October 2018 for obtaining a signature or property under false pretenses. Actually, there was a woman who was carjacked by two men who assaulted her and forced her to drive to an ATM where they took her money. Then they forced her to drive home where they robbed her of even more of her belongings, including a PlayStation 4. Nathaniel was never convicted of robbing the woman. However, he did sell some of the woman's stolen belongings, including the PlayStation. 
Nathaniel had a girlfriend he was living with named Maria Howard, so police decided to get a search warrant for the home. And again, they found a treasure trove of evidence connected to Samantha's murder, including a white sheet with blood on it that had been collected from the garbage can behind their condo, a roll of duct tape and bleach wipes with blood on them, and another smoking gun, a two-bladed knife that also appeared to have blood on it. Tests would later determine that the blood found on the knife, as well as the blood found on the sheets, the blood found in the car, blood found on the bleach wipes, they would all come back as a match for Samantha Josephson. Back at the police station, police also found Samantha's DNA under Nathaniel's fingernails. In terms of physical evidence, the prosecution had a solid case. And so, Nathaniel Rowland was charged with kidnapping, murder, and possession of a weapon during the commission of a crime. While the prosecution built their case, Samantha's family mourned. They held a vigil in Robbinsville, New Jersey, where Samantha had grown up, and shared stories about the beautiful soul that they all loved and now missed very much. One of the most moving moments during the vigil was when her boyfriend Greg spoke, and I'll play you that clip now. It's heartbreaking. You always loved my life, and I was on the phone tracking her through all this just to make sure she got home safely and immediately knew that there was something that was wrong. Unfortunately, I was two and a half hours away. I'd do anything to do anything. It cuts off at the end, but he says, I would do anything to go back. And another clip from the vigil. This one is from her father. We actually met, I, I, I requested to meet the officer that arrested, captured and arrested the person that, that, um, that, that murdered my daughter. I wanted to thank him. And I use that word, murder, because that's what he did. It was, it's strong word. It, 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 eats up inside me and I know down here they don't want to hear that that word but I wanted out there because he was a monster right the trial would be grueling for the family with Nathaniel Rowland pleading not guilty claiming he was innocent even with all of the mountain of evidence against him his public defender argued that her client had no injuries on him, no scratches or anything that would indicate that he was in any kind of struggle with anyone. And they would argue that there was none of Nathaniel's DNA evidence found anywhere on Samantha's body, which I mean I will admit is unusual. But in my opinion, it didn't really matter. There was a mountain of evidence to show that he had killed Samantha, including his phone pinging where her body was found. The prosecution also brought in a handwriting expert to compare Nathaniel's handwriting to a list that was written on a piece of paper found in his home. On that list was written, duct tape, tape her whole body, gloves, all black, flip phone, gasoline, matches, and crossed out a line of matches. 
The expert testified it was highly probable that Nathaniel wrote that list, which to me sounds like this was all premeditated. Nathaniel could have never predicted that it would be Samantha who would get in his car, but the way that he was circling the bar in his vehicle that night sounds like he was out there looking for a victim. He just got lucky when Samantha got in the back seat because it meant that he didn't have to look very hard for someone to kidnap. The prosecutors called 31 witnesses to testify. They called someone who saw Nathaniel cleaning that weapon. They called the pawn shop owner who he tried to sell her cell phone to. They called his ex-girlfriend who claimed her daughter had blood on her shoe after being in Nathaniel's car just after the killing. Nathaniel called no witnesses and none of his family testified for him. Still, he maintained his innocence and pleaded with the judge. This is painful, but not nearly as painful as the suffering um, by the Josephson family. Is there anything you would like to say? I know I'm innocent, um, but I guess what I know and what I think really doesn't matter. Um, I just wish the state would have would have done more in finding out who the actual person was, instead of being satisfied with. with detaining me and proving my guilt. Um, I feel like they, if they would have done further research in certain areas, I've sentenced a number of murderers, many of whom have confessed, and, and I, I asked them, what, what, tell me about, tell me about the murder, tell me about the time you pulled the trigger, and I have yet to have one who could go back there. Everyone, each of them, have blotted the whole thing out of their mind as if it never occurred. It took the jury only an hour to deliver a guilty verdict, and Nathaniel Rowland was sentenced to life in prison. While South Carolina does still have the death penalty, prosecutors didn't seek the death penalty here. Still, he will have to spend the rest of his life behind bars. State Circuit Judge Clifton Newman, who presided over this case, said, for whoever asked me for leniency, that's not part of my DNA. There's a thousand trails each that led to you. All of the evidence, each speck of evidence, not simply beyond a reasonable doubt, but as the highest standard the law requires, all points to your guilt. After sentencing, Samantha's mother read a heartbreaking victim impact statement that said, Her dream was my dream and her death was my death. I close my eyes and I feel what she endured at Roland's hands 120 times, over and over and over, fighting for her life, locked in his car, 
I pray that when Sammy closed her eyes, she thought of beautiful things and his evil face was not the last thing that she saw before she took her last breath. One thing about this case that really bothers me is motive. What the hell was the motive here? Samantha wasn't raped. She wasn't robbed, though he did try to withdraw about $35 from her bank account later. She was viciously stabbed to death very shortly after getting in that car. The prosecution couldn't even really come up with a strong motive. It appears that Nathaniel just wanted to inflict violence on someone. By the way that he kept driving around the block surrounding the bar, it seems like he did set out to find someone that evening. Unfortunately, Samantha made one small mistake by getting in the wrong car and paid for it with her life. After Samantha was murdered, there was a push from state lawmakers to make changes that might save a life in the future, including legislation that would require all rideshare vehicles to display an illuminated sign featuring their company's name, whether it's Uber, Lyft, or whatever, and require them to legally give the sign back once they stop working for the rideshare. Uber also introduced a measure to help customers avoid imposter drivers, including sending a reminder to check the driver's license plate before you get in. On June 5, 2019, the Samantha L. Josephson Rideshare Safety Act was signed into law in South Carolina. The act requires rideshare vehicles to display license plate numbers on the front of the car. Who knows if that would have prevented this horrific killing? It's difficult to say. I think someone so evil and set on murdering will always find a way, but if we can make it more difficult for them, let's do that. So what do you think about this case? Are you someone who uses rideshares, and how comfortable are you using them? I've used them a few times in the past, but always in a group setting, never alone, and honestly, I don't think I'd feel safe using one by myself. Though I will say, when I was younger and heading out to the bars back in Canada, even the legitimate taxi companies often had total creeps driving them. I've had taxi drivers from regulated and licensed companies ask me very personal questions, including asking for my phone number. And these are drivers who are usually picking up people who are intoxicated and driving them back to their houses where they live. It's just another situation where, unfortunately, Women, in particular, need to be very vigilant, and it's sad that it has to be that way. I've been living in Tokyo for the last four years, and I've got to say I've never felt unsafe in a cab here. They're all equipped with cameras and have very professional drivers. They also have Uber in Tokyo, but it's connected to the local taxis, so I can hail an Uber from my phone and have a city taxi show up at my door, which is really nice. I'm going back to Canada here soon, and that will all change. But man, this story really opened my eyes. I think it's an important reminder to us all. Stay vigilant. Don't get complacent. That's it for me tonight. If you want to reach out, you can find me on Facebook at Serial Napper. You can also search for me on Apple or Spotify. Check me out on Twitter at Serial underscore Napper. Or I'm on YouTube, Nikki Young Serial Napper. And that's all one word. Until next time, stay safe, stay kind, especially in the comments. Bye.